Well, I'll tell you what happened. I don't know. It just cut out. Anyway, I'm here. Chris with you here until uh, midday. Uh, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. If you haven't checked out Code Sports yet, I strongly uh, suggest you do. Um, he is over at Adelaide Oval or down at Adelaide Oval. Um, however you want to say it, um, this text here says, Chris, it's definitely down there. Thank you. Thank you. I've been saying it's down there. Lockie McCurdy, uh, wherever you are, you're over there. You're down there. You're in Adelaide. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a much cooler sort of end to the weekend over here in Adelaide. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this game plays out. But after yesterday, I think uh, that first session was interesting, but it looks like it's only going to go one way these next two days. It looks like that. We said yesterday when you jumped on the line, mate, and, and again, thank you for, for taking a bit of time out. We said it was it, it was imperative that Milan and Root, they put on a score. They did. Uh, they could have gone on further. But um, sadly, then it all, well... I was going to swear them. It all went sadly wrong for them. I was going to say something up. Really, something up rhymes with uh, <laughs> rhymes with pits. <laughs> it really did go just horribly wrong so quickly because in that first session, Root and Milan looked absolutely unbeatable. They played it perfectly. Batting conditions obviously suited them. So on a, on a deck that wasn't doing much, they they played it perfectly in terms of keeping the scoring rate high and making some real inroads on Australia's lead. And I think in the end, they put together a 138-run partnership, their second 100-run partnership for the series after they did the similar thing up in the second innings at the Gabba. But they came out after that first tea break and, gosh, it just unraveled from there. Cameron Green got the wicket of Joe Root in a a superb sort of five or six ball Mm. bowling plan and just drew that edge and it just... I've used the word unraveled a couple of times, but it's the perfect word to describe it because once the rest of that middle order came in, there was just no resistance and Australia rolled mm. through them. It's sadly for England. It's a, it's a recurring theme, isn't it? I, uh, I point out a, a tweet from former England captain last night, Michael Vaughan. Um, the honest facts are that Australia are a better cricket team in all facets of test cricket. No point in making excuses. The Aussies are just a lot better. Um, succinct. I think, yeah, I think that's been the, the consensus at the moment, definitely. Mm. We seem to have them all over the park. I mean, we've got a, it would seem a much deeper batting lineup. You also take Hazelwood out, um, one of the most consistent pace bowlers in recent years. You take out Pat Cummins, uh, the number one ranked world test bowler. And even without them, we still seem to have the depth and have their measure. And, and add to that as well, um, we have a bowling, a tail that can really put on some runs as well, which they don't seem to have. Yeah, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how Michael Neeser goes today in his first test. He's uh, got mm. the lucky position of being night watchman last night, comes in this morning in what will be beautiful batting positions in Adelaide. So after he scored 35 or 36 odd in the first innings, there's every reason he can go on and uh, get a few more runs next to his name uh, in the first session today. But yeah, it's just, all our bowlers seem to be able to hit with the bat. The fact that Nathan Lyon is coming in at number 11, he's got the record for the most runs in test cricket without a 50. So he's definitely got the talent as well. And you're absolutely right in terms of Hazelwood and Cummins being out to probably Australia's two most consistent and best bowlers at test level. And really they haven't missed a beat. And while Neither and Richardson probably didn't get the wickets return that their bowling deserved in that first innings, mm. they contributed by building that pressure 
to the success that Stark and Lyon then went on to have. You talk about pressure, Lockie, and um, Marcus Harris has been under immense pressure. He really needed some runs, and well done to him because, uh, look, that must be so daunting, going out there final session under lights against you know the likes of Anderson and Broad, and uh, well done to him. He stuck it out, and, and hopefully he might get some runs on the board today. Yeah, without a doubt. I think everyone is behind Marcus Harris in terms of wanting him to do well this innings. There's there's no secret that he's well-supported within the Australian group, and he's, his first-class record shows just how brilliant a batter he can be. So the fact that he has this opportunity now to go out and get some runs when, realistically, Australia aren't necessarily batting for a, a runs total, they'll be looking to just go, OK, let's get through to 6.30, 7 o'clock, and then we'll put England in under lights. Mm. He's got a great opportunity to really make his mark. I mean, it's easy to forget that he still hasn't scored a century at test level. And really, there's not going to be a better opportunity than what he has today. Mm. We, what was the general consensus down down there? Oh, can I say down there? Of course I can. Yeah, uh, down, boy. It down is there. down. down. What's the general consensus around there when, um, when we didn't elect to, to enforce the follow-on? I think it's become just a pattern of what we've seen mm. in, in recent years that Australia, there's a reluctance to, to enforce the follow-on. I mean, chatting to, to Mitch Stark in his post-match presser last night, he clearly said that, look, it's not really a bowling decision. Steve Smith seemed pretty set on his ways, but uh, one thought that he offered in terms of why the decision was made was that if they'd enforced the follow-on, they wouldn't have got the full night session to bowl, whereas if they bat again they can really control when they declare and go, okay, we can get the full session three on day four to bowl at England. So mm. I, I guess it, it wouldn't have made much of a difference, but it, it could play into the hands of just those extra five to maybe eight overs that they would get today, as opposed to if they'd sent them in uh, well, last night. Poor old Marcus Harris, um, uh, I guess, responsible for the run out of David Warner, <laughs> or was he? I mean, who, who takes the blame for that? I am saying David Warner does. Mm. I think looking I back think so at too. the replays, you can you can see some of the the different angles. There's both. There's a bit of hesitation on both ends, but Davy <laughs> then is the first one to start sprinting. He sets yeah. off and then calls back, and by that time it's too late. Both have committed to the run, and Harris gets home first. So look, I think it's just a mix up, and I think there was a statistic floating around that it's once they pass sort of thirty or so, it was the highest. Ashes opening partnership that Australia had had since Melbourne in 2017. They haven't bat, had a chance to bat together much. I think they oh, average no. 13 or 14 batting together. So I guess those sort of things are going to happen when you when you don't get much experience out in the middle together. But yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just one of those things that happen. I saw that stat too. So what what did they put on 41 together? So you're right, the biggest highest opening partnership in Ashes Test since yeah since uh, Bancroft and Warner. Uh, at the MCG, mm. made 51. I couldn't quite believe that myself. Anyway, okay, mate, um, I won't keep you long. So what? when do you think we'll declare? You don't think it's a runs thing? I mean, obviously, we're going to know what we're ahead by, but I guess we need at least mm. one full session and maybe more, don't we, today? Yeah, I, I think so. Look, it's if, if I was to pick, I'd, I'd say somewhere in that middle session today mm, yeah. that they'd be looking to maybe get half an hour to 45 minutes of bowling, especially at that top order, because as good as England batters really realistically are, they haven't been good this series. And as a result, there's every reason that you can believe that Hasib and uh, Rory Burns could be out before that night session, which I think will be Australia's goal. If they can get a full 
night session to bowl at both Root and Milan, that's when it becomes dangerous because because obviously Root and Milan, they've shown what they can do during the day. Australia don't want them in first session day five. They want to be able to break that partnership tonight at some point. So I think they'll try and give themselves a little bit more room in terms of declaring before that night session and try and get either Burns or Hasib out early. Mm. All right, mate, I really do appreciate it. Also, um, so some other protocol news coming out, re-COVID, re-the players, the Aussie players when they return for the Sydney and Melbourne test. Um, do you want to just quickly summarise what's happening there? Yeah, so it just looks like that we're going to be having more restrictions now. Obviously, the, the they haven't been going out to dinner during the test here in Adelaide because it is a day-night test, but they were allowed well, some to of them did. in groups of up... Well, uh, more, more specifically during the test, <laughs> yes, just because yes. the matches are finishing at 10.30. But before, obviously, they did. But the restrictions were that they could um, they could go to restaurants. They could go in terms of groups of three, just to make sure yeah. it was kind of like there weren't a big group of six, seven players getting caught up in a COVID scare. But there's been a few extra restrictions put in for Sydney Melbourne, where obviously the case numbers and uh, are a lot higher in terms of making sure they're staying outdoors where possible, not going to gyms and things like that. So it's going to be, they're going to be clamped down a little bit more, but I, I don't think they'll mind, especially when they've seen the consequences of what happens when your captain can miss a test match. By the sounds of things, they're all happy to kind of bunker down that little bit more if it means they're going to be playing some cricket. Absolutely. Lockie, thanks as always, mate. I really appreciate yesterday and today. Um, and you can read more uh, from Lockie McCurdy at Code Sports. Appreciate your time, mate. Enjoy the rest of day four and uh, and day five as well. Thank you so much, Chris. Anytime. Great stuff. Lockie McCurdy there. Just read those numbers too. So um, exploding. And this is uh, Sam Landsberger in the, t- in the telly today. So exploding COVID-19 numbers in Melbourne and Sydney won't force players into lockdown for the next two tests. Uh, but drinking in bars, getting haircuts, some of them do need haircuts, and working out in public gyms, and some of us need to work out more in public gyms, will all be put on the banned list. Okay, so isolating Australian captain Pat Cummins is likely to be the last player to dine indoors this series as Cricket Australia elevates its biosecurity protocols to level four restrictions for the next two tests. So that comes after an infection record on Saturday in New South Wales of of 2,482. That was yesterday. Today, guys and girls, that is up to 2,566. Okay, so um, the clampdown sort of is continuing or begins for the uh, the Aussie cricketers. Talking of stuff ups, and that comes after the uh, the 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 Sail Grand Prix, the British boat uh, took care of or took out, swiped um, the Japanese boat. So the Brits were disqualified. The Aussies are through, by the way. We go through to San Francisco for the final of the Sail GP. Well done. Um, but in terms of other stuff ups, um, keep them coming through. Uh, by the way, talking of boats as well, if you've got any boating mishaps feel free to give me a call uh, or even drop me a text. And talking of on the water yesterday on Sydney Harbour, our very own, I guess we can say our very own, Jaleesa Apps, who's been doing mornings, uh, not mornings, I've been doing mornings. Um, she's been doing brekkie with um, with Jimmy this week. Um, she was on the boat on the water yesterday on a hen's night. A hen's night, yes. Uh, I've just seen some stuff on Instagram and I, I hope they got home and hosed is all I can say because if those girls all dressed in pink and they each had a, a glass in left and right hand. If uh, if they were to take charge of that vessel, oh my God knows where it might have ended up. Stay with us. This is Sports Central. Um, did Darcy Lustig call through, by the way? He hasn't called through as yet. Okay, but I did say earlier that I, I, I'd be happy to step into the ring for 700 large. Um, 
You're saying he hasn't called through? Not yet. He hasn't, Chris. Okay. No, that's fine. Um, um, I don't know. What, what about you? How much would it take for you to... Well, I, w- I would. I'm telling you I would. And tell Darcy I will. Give me a month to prep. How much at home would you um, need to step into the ring to take on Darcy Lussick for three by two minute rounds? Gal's getting 700 large for it. I jump. In. I won't last long, but that's not the point. I'll take the cash. Anyway, uh, that might be something else you might like to send me a text about. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. How much would it take to step into the ring against Darcy Lussick? We're going to talk some boxing with JJ Rocker a bit later on. He's one half of the Rocked podcast. Up next, though, we're going to talk some uh, some soccer, some A League, and uh, to do that. Uh, Adam Kosnick, former Mariners player, will jump on the line. This is Sports Central. Chris Warren with you up until 2.